This is an ABC podcast. Hi everyone, Sammy J here. Welcome back to the Snack Pack. It's a huge week this week. There's a, an election underway here in Australia. Brings me back to the days when I used to count votes for the elections back at high school. I remember once I was helping on election day and one of the Daddo brothers walked past me. Well, he didn't walk past me. He was perhaps 20 metres away, but I spotted him in the distance in the late 90s. <laughs> Pretty cool, eh? That is my seven degrees of lame separation story about the Daddo brothers. Because I'm sick of people bragging about the time they sat next to a really famous celebrity on a plane. It's the sweet little tenuous connections that I want to focus in on today. The lamest, most convoluted, most tenuous connections to a celebrity. I get to have all sorts of tenuous connections to celebrities on this podcast. Coming up, Rob Sitch will be joining us to take us through what he's been seeing, hearing and tasting. We'll also be going on a journey, but don't worry, we don't have to leave the studio. You don't have to leave the couch where you might be listening to this or the car because I'll be meeting ABC broadcaster and journalist Jonathan Green to take a trip overseas. And speaking of voting, is it okay to ask people who they're going to vote for? Is that fine? Is that polite? Or is it just rude? Hmm. We'll get to that shortly. The Snack Pack. Have you got a tenuous degree of separation? Well, yep. What happened? So I was in the elevator at a Bombers game, and we got in the elevator, mm-hmm. and... Kevin Sheedy was in there. Oh, the Kevin Sheedy? Yep. What'd you do? Um, I was completely speechless, was saying nothing, and then the guy who was with him said, it's all right, you can talk to him. <laughs> Speaking of tenuous connections to celebrities, what was it, a good 21 years ago that I went along to see the panel being filmed live, but they didn't let me in to the studio because I discovered I was under 18 and it all got a little bit hectic. It was very disappointing, but this is the opposite of disappointing. It's actually thrilling to be joined by the legendary writer, director, actor, Rob Sitch himself. Rob, thanks for joining us on the Snack Pack. Uh, And the pleasure's mine, but I'm shocked. Is that a true story? True. Turned up and I remember, I think it was um, uh, Tommy G freaked out because they were serving alcohol in the green room with Brian Nankervis and I was there with my pimples and my little black jeans. and uh, A bit of a giveaway. So, so, someone eventually let me sit in the control room to watch the whole episode. Oh, so they, they had mercy. Yep. Yeah. No, I don't, I, I've never known Channel 10 to have such high standards, but anyway. I've got to say, speaking of commercial network standards, I was defending your honour honor around the same time because I had a letter in the Green Guide uh, slamming Channel 7 in about 1998 for cutting scenes from Frontline. Do you remember that, that time in your life? Yeah, that, that was actually, that, that, that was un, uncalled for because we, I think we went and re-edited it for <laughs> television because one of the things that, you know, whenever you direct things or make things or write things, it's, it's a common um, complaint of every director and writer. Whenever you watch your stuff back, you go, oh, I could re-edit that, I could reshoot that, I could redo that. And so that was, we cho- chose that as an opportunity to take even another minute or another 30 seconds out of. Did you, do you watch Back Frontline these days? I know all the episodes are up now on YouTube and have got a whole new audience that way. Or is yeah. that just a part of your life you, you don't return to? No, I'm, I, my problem with watching stuff back is I always 
think, oh, I could re-edit that, I could redo that. And, yeah. I, and so in actual fact, it's a, an uncomfortable experience. But you sort of do it, you know, a bit via telemetry of people coming up to you and going, oh, I was watching it this the other day. And, and occasionally they refer to episodes you genuinely don't <laughs> don't remember. <laughs> and this was before long COVID, so you know it's a sign. <laughs> It was Frontline was playing at a time that you know more people watched TV. There were less channels out there. It yeah. was groundbreaking. It, it predated you know other shows that basically copied its format overseas. Even it's such a different landscape now for satire. Many claim that satire is just dead in the modern world because of you know the situation we're in. What's your view on that? Do you think that Frontline were being made today would be the same show? I don't know. I, well, I think that style of show, you know, people still circle it. The, the sort of naturalism um, and and I, I always, I, I still think that's a that's a sort of a holy grail of, of the attempt of comedy, mm-hmm. and that is that that no one in the show thinks anything's funny, but the show's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still, I, I still think comedy is the antidote to pompousness. Yes. <laughs> but I wonder if it has less effect these days to actually change well, things. I know Frontline made yeah. many news presenters at the time cringe and think, oh, is that me? Is that, are they making fun of me? And could have even modified some of the behaviour perhaps of commercial network think, TV. Yeah, I think that's right. We're not sitting around the same campfire anymore. We are sitting around the radio campfire right now with Rob Sitch. I could nerd out on Frontline with you for hours, Rob, but um, I'll do that another time because right now, of course, being a, a pretty serious journalist, I have three hardcore questions to throw at you. Um, I'm not sure if you're sure. ready for them. I am. Okay. Rob Sitch, question number one. What you seeing? I uh, I was a mad keen when I was a kid. I was an absolute fanatic watcher of downhill ski racing. Not that I could do it myself. And... In 1976 at the Olympics, a famous downhill skier called Franz Klammer, who was an Austrian at the Innsbruck Olympic, um, was the champ, was winning every week. And he got up at the top of the mountain and I watched this live. And I, at the time, I thought this is the greatest Olympic thing that I've ever seen. And and in uh, a Swiss guy called Russi had put this incredible time. And Klammer turned to his coach and said, what do I have to do to win? And his coach said, die. And anyway... <laughs> I remember that, and I thought it was the greatest sporting story of all time. Never heard of it since. And I was on a plane recently, and someone's made a biopic of that two minutes. So, you know, you do biopics of uh, Elton John and Freddie Mercury. Yeah, a whole career. Yeah, but in Austria, that story has remained as the greatest Olympic story in Austrian history. And an Austrian film crew have gone out and made a really wonderful biopic. And so after that, I thought, I wonder if all that stuff's on YouTube. And of course it is. And so you can go back and watch the 1976 gold medal downhill run when Franz Klammer, you know, some people say that the greatest uh, Olympic feat in, in winter sports history. What's the name of the biopic? It's called Chasing the Line. Chasing the Line. Mm, but, but you've got Franz Klammer interviews are all over YouTube. It's, 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 really, it's really quite a dramatic two minutes of TV to watch back on YouTube. I love a recommendation that comes with a YouTube uh, rabbit hole as well to follow. Rob Sitch, <laughs> next question for you. What's your tasting? I've got into zero alcohol beer. Sammy. I oh. So when this is, when, you know, I was in my 20s and occasionally you, you tried to be responsible, uh, zero alcohol beer was, was really awful. Um, and it, it, again, it seemed to come from Austria, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but lately there's about 10 good ones. Uh, uh, I accept it, uh, Rob, but for my final question, 
what you hear, and I'm going to be pretty disappointed if it's not some sort of Austrian waltz. Sadly, no. I've got um, a guy called a sports comedian, satirist called Titus O'Reilly, put me onto a podcast called The Rest is History. And it's run basically by these sort of historian brothers, James and Tom Holland. And they go back, <clears throat> it's a bit like Rear Vision on ABC, but it's chatty. And I sort of thought, there's, oh, if there's 500 episodes of this, I might watch, listen to one or two. And any time I'm a loose end, I go back to episode 344 or, you know, there'll be something on Ukraine and the Second World War. There'll be something on an obscure tank or something. But the way they do it, he writes very interesting books, James Holland. Mm -hmm. And he's an expert, you know, in World War II, but just about everything. There was, the, there was two, two, a, two, a two-parter on the Judean Rebellion. <laughs> In, in 70 AD, and I thought, I don't think I'm going to get to part two, but it's something about the way they do it. I highly recommend it. The rest is history. I'm always fascinated to know where people, particularly busy people like yourself, Rob, where do you find the time and where do you listen to podcasts? Is it a gardening activity? Is it a driving activity? When do you listen? Yeah, so I combine it because I multitask. I do my exercise and my podcasting at the same time. Yep. So it's a, it's a sort of a two-for-one offer. I exercise to get away from the real world, so it doesn't work for me, but your brain is still active. <laughs> No, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't walk briskly or run unless I've got. I've got a, a learned historian tell, telling me something about the Second World War. <laughs> There's an election in the air. All the politicians are desperate for our votes. But what about your friends and family? What if they ask you who you're voting for? Is that weird? Do you feel yuck about it? Nellie Thomas is an award-winning comedian, author, health advocate, co-host of the podcast The Single Life of Us. Nellie, who are you voting for? It's on my Tinder profile, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I have no problem with this question. Like, for me, I think the, the I, I like to reverse it. I would like to say to you, Sammy J, why can't I ask you who you vote for? Mm. Like, why are you scared of the question? Why are we scared of the conversation? Well, like, I understand not being badgered, Yep. you know, like, don't badger me into your point of view, but I think we live, we're privileged to live in a democracy. Can I, Part of democracy is debate. Can I put to you, Nelly, that a lot of it is mm. to do with self-confidence because we are also yeah. all, I think, fearful, uh, particularly me on radio, but people in general, that they won't know as much as the other person. And so as soon as it does become a discussion or a debate, you can feel foolish, you can feel stupid very quickly, particularly if you're talking to someone who lives and breathes politics. And so yes. you just don't... So I think there's a real vulnerability that comes through in people's desire to not enter those discussions. Yes, you're quite right. And I think, you know, when you know, it's no different to if you're physically large and you're in a fist fight, which you and I have both done. Together, you know, like many times. If you know that you've got good communication skills, in my case, I actually have a degree in politics. Like, mm -hmm. it's my thing. It's my wheelhouse. So I understand you don't then bring, you know, an AK-47 to a knife fight. You yep. know, like, in that conversation, be respectful and be cognizant of any power differentials but that doesn't mean you can't have a conversation. That would be true on any issue, wouldn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, I just and think we avoid too much. I, I, I agree with this, and I think, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone else, but that the fact that people will vote how they want to vote based on their emotions mainly, and that's all of us, yeah. and, of course, also based yeah. on rational policy analysis, but just the fact that you might have better arguments or even more information available to you 
that's not going to change the reason that someone else might vote. And that, that's the key to this system of compulsory voting we have, isn't it? It's all the people having a say, no matter how they're feeling. Well, and you know what? I think the if anything, if we've learned anything from, you know, the quote unquote Trump years and the, the, the last few years, particularly in terms of COVID misinformation and a whole range of things is that, yes, humans are indeed irrational, me included. But I wonder, like, if we're going to pr- protect this beautiful privilege that we have of democracy, we actually need to be able to have conversations with each other, mm-hmm. not attacking not even like not evangelizing, but actually going, oh, can you explain to me why you think that? Or can you explain to me why that particular person appeals to you or that party appeals to you? Like, I think it's a really important thing. It's the fundamental cornerstone of democracy, really. Nelly, just finally, you, as you just outlined eloquently, would happily engage in a discussion at any time. But even for you, there must have been times in your lives or maybe more recently, where you just don't have the energy if it's someone who you feel oh, is yes. so far away from you, politically speaking, yeah. <laughs> would even you yeah. then shut down a conversation or just tactfully avoid that question because of that? Oh, mate. I mean, if you're doing that every time you have a conversation, Nelly's not going to get invited to Christmas dinner again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's a time and a place, and one of the places and the times is when you're on ABC Radio, for example. <laughs> like, there are actually moments when you don't, but I'm talking... You know, if you and a friend are sitting down yep. or and having a conversation, like why can't we open that door? I, I just think it's a, it's like any conversation. There's some things you're not going to talk about, um, you know, at the school gate mm-hmm. because you're just exhausted. And there's other times where you're going to go, oh, well, we're sitting down, you know, we're having a glass of wine. Why don't we get into it? But broadly speaking, I take it as our guest speaker that on the question, the referendum question today of whether it's okay to ask people who they're voting for, from Nellie Thomas, we have a very firm yay. Very firm yay with the slight caveat of don't be a insert swear word. (laughs) Which is what some people end up drawing on their ballot papers anyway, isn't it? So, (laughs) Who are you voting for, Sammy? I couldn't possibly say. It's against the ABC Charter to review. (laughs) Tenuous degree of separation. So I was travelling around Madagascar with a group of people in 2019 or early 2019 and one of the most interesting guys started telling us his life story. He was the person responsible for making the lightsaber in Star Wars. The original ones? He was also the original ones. And the stories he told that he cut a discount at the time because it was such a new movie and he said when he found out that it made millions, that he regretted it and he never gave a discount to George Lucas ever again. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited now. Get your passport out. Check the expiry date. It's probably expired, but don't worry, because here on SJ Airlines, we'll take anyone. And our pilot today is none other than ABC presenter Jonathan Green. Oh, Jonathan, I'm very pleased to meet you. Uh, and you, this your, is uh, this first time. Your voice is obviously so familiar to me. First time meeter, yours no, too. You don't listen to me. Our, our voices are me- meeting in the ether, in a little caress. Oh, it's like a little melting pot. <sighs> what can you teach me about radios? Well, I, what I love about this, this medium is the way in which it just, it throws you into your imagination. You know, I mean, you could be anywhere. We can create situations just in, in between the years. And, and if you put a picture in front of you, it would ruin everything. 
It does because it, this is. I'm curious about this because I know also your work from when you were writing for the Age for many years. You worked in print, obviously, and and broadcast. Do you have a preference creatively? I think radio is is particularly magical because you have that extra thing of of the sound mm-hmm. plus the words, and between those two things, there's amazing possibility. When you when you bring in uh, the visual, suddenly it's limited. Though suddenly you are, it's prescribing. You 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 were in this place. Yes, we're determining that sort of imaginary environment. But when I mean, I, I listen to you on the radio, and I imagine you as I don't know about sort of four foot six, sort of a Ronnie <laughs> Corbett kind of figure in a bowler hat. But there you are. You're not that at all. Just this pallid, sickly individual who looks like he could just faint from malnutrition at any point. But I had the magic for a moment there until this (laughs) this sad moment when I met you in the flesh. I had this this wonderful illusory situation going on. Well, this is actually just a body double I send in when I don't think the guest is important. Oh, you are, in fact, four foot six. Sammy J's out, and he's the real one, he's out there. Jonathan, so a picture is meant to tell a thousand words, but yeah. surely radio in that case can tell infinite Millions. emotions. Well, radio has just well, – yeah, emotions is really an interesting part of that too because, it, I mean, it, it's not – nothing's prescribed here. It's what you create between the words you hear, the, the sounds that surround them. I mean, can, I, can I take you to some places? Yeah, let's do it. I want us now uh, to be trapped in a herd of stampeding elephants. Whoa! Sammy, are you okay? I'm, I'm fine. I've fallen Quick, off. Go on without way. me, Jonathan. The future of radio. Keep, keep going sideways. No, keep going sideways. If just I was taller, I'd be surviving this, but no. I could just see your bowler hat. <laughs> oh, I lost my fake moustache too. Oh, dear. Well, that was a, you see, I think the trick is in a herd of stampeding elephants, it's like a rip in the, in the sea. Mm. Don't try and go against it. <laughs> Huh? Move out to the side. Now, a picture of elephants would not be nearly as dramatic no. or as fun. We were there, and I think listeners felt our pain as can we were trampled. Can we go somewhere more highfalutin? I want to take you for high tea at the Ritz. Ooh. Hmm. Ah, Sammy. Uh, Jonathan, um, who's paying for this? Will you have cream? <laughs> I'll have more of it, please. <laughs> I'm just having lemon myself. I feel underdressed here. Do you, do you visit these sort of fancy places, Jonathan, in Oh, your my life? God. It's, it's, it's the Duchess of Thingamy. Hello, Duchess. Hello. I'm with Jonathan Green from Radio National. That's Sammy. He's the man in the bowler hat. <laughs> no. I, Lovely we, to meet you. Let's get, let's get out of here. Let's get some transport, shall we? we? No. Okay. Are you, are you paying? No, but I think yes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go home, but not in an orthodox manner. No, no, we're going on the roof of a train. What? Yes. No, you wouldn't dare. We're train surfing. <laughs> That's illegal, Jonathan. I'm it's sorry, dangerous. But it's only imaginary. Oh man, it's kind of risky though. I know. I feel I'm risky gonna... even suggesting. Ah! <laughs> Jonathan, this is old school. Watch out, bridge. You haven't done any of the workplace training. I oh, am taught every day to not to You're encourage. Four foot six in a bowler hat. <laughs> If you mention my bowler cap one more time, Jonathan, I'm pushing you off this dangerous metaphorical fictional train. There it goes. Oh. See? I'm, my heart's racing. That's the theatre of the mind. You're with Jonathan Green and Sammy J in my bowler hat. We're talking radio. We're talking audio. We're talking sound. Isn't it a wonderful thing? We can, we can go anywhere. So in this little podcast where, where we do journeys, I mean, part of it is, is creating that imaginary environment. And that's kind of fun to do. Um, but the other part of it is taking you to a place that maybe you know pretty well. Yep. Uh, New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we did an episode on New York, but our episode was titled Banal New York. <laughs> so we're not talking, you know, Statue of Liberty, nope. Empire State Building. Nope. Where are we going in New York? Oh, we met a guy who takes the garbage out. <laughs> 
That's the real New York. That's the real that's, New that's York. That's Sesame Street level New York. Well, we talked about Oscar. I mean, he he disabused me of the illusion I had of Oscar being able to live in a can. Well, no, because garbage in New York is collected in, in plastic bags. Oh. Oscar, by rights, should have lived in a bag. Yum, yum. All done. Thanks to your company. Quick Snack Pack's a good snack pack, and it is only made good by Ross Kavanagh, my sound wizard, and my beautiful breakfast radio family at ABC Radio Melbourne. You can join me every weekday on the ABC Listen app from 5.30. Have a great week ahead. See you on the other side. I'm, I'm still here. Sorry, I know I stopped doing it for a while, but I just now I'm going to do it again because <laughs> I just really like being here and they've locked the door. Chris Horrigan is a father, not just a father of children, but a father of a goose. What's going on? Actually sitting out the front feeding a goose lettuce with two <laughs> kids and a dog. How, lo- how long have you had this goose for? Uh, end of November. He was orphaned from a, a hobby farm. Uh, he was rejected by the family and we sort of took him on as a three-week project and try and take him back to the flock. But he uh, had cut his neck up and had stitches, so he couldn't go back to the flock. And then by the time we tried, we uh, didn't succeed in, in them going back together. And I was the crazy guy throwing food around <laughs> in a, a big paddock, getting chased by geese with the goose running away from everything. <laughs> has, has the goose got a name? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling.